Sleep and sex problem actually have a lot in common. For example, you could have sleep anxiety, which make your sleep worse, and you can also have sexual performance anxiety, can make your sexual performance worse. Also, when we decide what kind of treatment we should use for these two different areas, there are a lot in common in the intervention direction. So today I have Dr. Heather England. She is a licensed sex therapist and the founder of Love Field Life. She will share with us the important strategies and the common mistakes that most couples are make when they deal with erectile dysfunction. She also offers us a 10% off coupon of her ED course. The coupon code is Mind Body Garden. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. So it's my honor today to introduce Dr. Heather England to you. She is a licensed therapist and a licensed certified sex therapist working in Kansas City. Welcome, Dr. England. Thank you. Excited to be so, here. Yeah. So I know you are actually an expert in treating different sex disorders, including sexual dysfunction such as erectile dysfunction. So today we want to use this opportunity to really understand this line of work because a lot of our audience may you know, have this kind of concerns or they don't know if it's normal or not. Should my body react this way or not? So we want to really understand that and learn from you. Sounds great. I can't wait to share information about erectile dysfunction. Cool. So first, I'm curious, how many people have this kind of problem? Is it common? Um, it is very common. Well over 300 million people worldwide have erectile dysfunction. Wow. Yes. And it's people across all ages. Some people think, think it's just an older person's concern, but really it's not. It starts with many people in their 20s or even in their teens. And the way we like to think of it by the numbers is about 20% of people in their 20s will have bouts of ED. It might not be every time. It might be just sometimes, but they will experience ED 30 in their 30s, 40% in their 40s, 50% in their 50s and so on. So it's much more common than people think. And unfortunately, people don't talk about having ED, right? It's not like someone's going to say, hey, Joe, I just had ED last night. So they're not going to talk about it because there's so much shame about it. So they don't realize how many people have it and they feel like it's just them. Mm. And it makes it so much worse for them because they feel alone with the yeah. issue. Yeah, everyone else are normal. I'm not normal. Something wrong with me. Yes, definitely. Wow. Yes. Sounds like a lot of a secret, a lot of stigma about yes, it. Yes, a lot of stigma and a lot of false information, you mm -hmm. know, about erectile dysfunction because we don't talk about it. I mean, mm -hmm. we don't talk about sex in general. Right. In our world, we make it such a shame based, such a big stigma. It's an awkward conversation for many people. If we were better at talking about sex, then sometimes issues like erectile dysfunction wouldn't grow to be such big problems for people or such big problems in relationships because it's the silence of it that increases the shame that makes people avoid getting help and doing the things they need to do to work through it. Mm, yeah, and I know sometimes the shame, this keeping it a secret may actually make the symptom even worse. Exactly. Yeah. Because they feel so bad about themselves. ED, unfortunately, ends up really impacting someone's self-esteem. It's not just their sexual self-esteem. It ends up impacting their overall self-esteem because in our society, you know, whether or not somebody can have an erection and be good sexually becomes part of the, and I'm going to, I'm going to say the word male or men, not to not be inclusive, but I think the languaging gets easier. 
you know, when we do it that way. But, you know, many men, their ability to do well sexually is becomes part of their identity. And I think we're socialized that way. Like, what is a real man, right? Mm-hmm. Does a real man have ED? Well, most people are going to think, no, a real man doesn't have ED. He can get hard like whenever he wants to. But the reality is, yeah, a lot of real men have ED. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it, and it's a myth that you can get hard whenever you want because, you know, maybe when you're a teenager, you just think something sexual and you immediately get an erection. Like sometimes you don't even want to get an erection. I think a lot of people will recall being in the pool by by the poolside, you know, as a teenager and they got an erection and, and yeah, and we're very embarrassed. But as you get older, it takes a lot more stimulation, both physically and erotically in order for you to get an erection. So things change as you do get older. Mm. I think that's very important for everyone to know, right? So what you think is normal may not be the only way or may not even be the correct way. It just we think that way and we are trying to shape ourselves that way. And that could cause more problems. Yes, exactly. And it does end up causing more problems for people. Mm. So what are some common reasons for ED? You mentioned may not be age, you know, may relate to a lot of different factors. What are some common factors people should watch out for? So erectile dysfunction is what we call a neurovascular event. So what that means is it's a combination of your nervous system and your cardiovascular system. So any type of thing that impacts your cardiovascular health can end up causing erectile dysfunction because ED is really, and erections are all about the blood flow into and out of the penis. So if you don't have good blood flow in your body, you may be more prone to ED. So people that would fall into this category are people who might have diabetes, people who smoke, people who drink too much alcohol or take drugs, people with a very sedentary lifestyle, people that aren't eating well, they're not you know, taking care of their overall health. A factor that contributes to this is aging doesn't cause ED, but it's you have a higher rate of it as you get older. Prostate cancer, okay? Anything that impacts the nervous, all the nerves in your pelvic region, if anything's disrupted, either surgery, okay, or you've had radiation, that can end up causing erectile dysfunction. So those are some of the medical causes, but there's also non-medical causes for ED. So the biggest non-medical cause would be anxiety. Mm. So because it's a neurovascular event, in order to get an erection, you can't be in a really stressed out state. You have to be in a relaxed state. Otherwise, the blood won't flow into your penis and stay in your penis. Mm-hmm. So you won't get an erection. So it's, it's like if you think about who we were as cavemen you know, years ago, our bodies were designed so that if we were under that fight or flight and we had to run away from that big woolly mammoth in order to survive, all the blood flow would go to all of our major organs and our limbs. So it would go to our big muscles, like our legs, our arms, our chest, all right, our lungs, all of that would get the blood flow. And the penis is a very small body organ. So if you get stressed, all that blood is going to leave your penis and it's going to go to the bigger organs in your body. So many times people start to have anxiety around sex and their performance with sex. They think of sex as a performance. And what that ends up doing is it can contribute to ED because they're so anxious that the blood just can't stay in the penis because it's, it's the way our system is designed. Mm. Yeah, wow. So I feel like once we understand there may be medical reasons, there may be psychological reasons, it's possibly kind of really easier to guide us which direction to go to seek help. And 
sounds like because there are so many different reasons behind it. it could be lifestyle could be you know physical problem could be psychological problem so you mentioned there there are help available so i want help the audience ask is the ed something once you get it it gonna last forever or what's the recovery rate for it yeah let me let me share one more thing with you. So if somebody has a medical cause for their ED, mm-hmm. they definitely need to be treated for it. And if mm-hmm. you have a sudden onset of ED and it's regular ED and it's out of the blue, you really need to see your doctor because mm-hmm. research has shown that sudden onset of ED with no other factors can predate a cardiovascular event by seven to eight years. So it's a sign that something's not working right inside of you. Okay. Oh, so that's if there's a medical cause. So mm-hmm. you can you can treat a medical cause. Oftentimes people will get PDE5 inhibitors like, C, like Cialis or Viagra. And what that does is it helps the blood to flow in and stay in the penis in, in simple terms. But here's the kicker. Even if someone has a medical cause for their ED, not what we call a non-medical cause or a a psychological cause, they are likely going to end up having performance anxiety that goes Mm -hmm. along with their ED. So performance anxiety is really the biggest non-medical cause for ED. It's this worry about erection, their erections. Am I going to get an erection? Is it going to happen again? Am I going to have ED again? Am I going to be able to get hard? Am I going to be able to penetrate? And so even if they're being treated for a medical issue, they, they oftentimes have that other causal factor. They have the worry that goes along with it. And then on top of that, people often have relational issues because- mm-hmm. You know, they're not in the relationship alone. They've got a partner. So the interaction they have with their partner really impacts how they move through the treatment process for ED. Mm, wow. It's, it's really important to include your partner. All yes. the research shows there's a much higher success rate if your partner is included in the process, even to the point of coming to a point to doctor's appointments with you. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so get support from your partner. Because a lot a lot of time I know pe- when people have performance anxiety related to sex, right? They want to please their partner or they worry their partners get mad. And sometimes I heard stories that partners actually criticize people, right? Or like what's happening to you and I'm not happy with this. And there's some something wrong with you. You need to fix it. Yes. I, you know, I'm wondering if it would be helpful for me to just list out some common mistakes that people make when they have ED. That would be very that's, that's one of them. Mm-hmm. So partners oftentimes will personalize the ED. They'll make it be about them. So mm-hmm. they'll think, oh, I'm not sexy enough. I'm not attractive enough. They're, they're not attracted to me. They may think their partner's having an affair. You know, they attribute all of these false things to what's going on with the ED. So that's one mistake. Another mistake is couples don't talk about it. So if the partner is sitting there with all of these false beliefs and they're getting upset and resentful, and they may, may, they may say some very mean things to their partner in the process, if they're not talking it through they set themselves up to really disconnect in the relationship and for it to become a bigger problem than it needs to be. Mm. So that's a big mistake couples make. They don't team up together and, and, and attack this as a team problem, something. They make it be the man's problem, not a couple problem or a relationship problem. Another big mistake they make is that men just, they avoid sex. Mm. So they will stop having any kind of intimate behavior and it'll go beyond just sex. They may stop doing anything that might lead to sex. So if going on a date with their partner, going out to eat or having a romantic night out might have in the past led to sex, they may start to even avoid that. They also avoid a lot of physical touch. So not only do they avoid sex, they avoid physical touch, which 
leaves their partner touch deprived. It, it leaves them feeling that they're unloved, right? And it causes the couple to kind of disconnect from one another. So that's, that's some of the big mistakes. Another big mistake they make is they think the pills are going to fix everything. So they may take a pill and they think it's going to be magic, but the pill, it's not going to always make you get an erection. You're still going to need stimulation to have an erection. Mm, wow. Yeah. yeah. So don't just rely on a pill or something or someone else, right? First, yes. ourselves, there's a lot of things we could do and we need to adjust and also do not run away from the problem. Exactly. Exactly. And there's a big mindset mistake that couples make about erectile dysfunction. And that is that they define sex as intercourse. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what sex is to them. So then sex becomes pass fail. Okay. So if you can't get hard enough to have intercourse, then you technically have failed if that's your logic. I heard that a lot. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know how like popular this idea is. At least I treat Asian populations more. A lot of Asians really use men's, you know, erection and ejaculation as a way to mirror is this sex start yet or oh. is that end yet? Right. So, but you think about what that is. That's basically intercourse. And all follow men's whole body, like physical reaction. Yes. Yes. One of the things I try to have all of my clients do is redefine sex away from intercourse. Mm. To redefine sex is anything that's pleasurable, that feels good, and that is connecting, that makes you feel closer to your partner. So if you broaden your definition of sex, Even if you have erectile dysfunction during a sexual encounter, you can still have a very successful and enjoyable sexual encounter. Mm -hmm. So it sets you up for success, not failure. Because when it's intercourse-based, you're setting yourself up for failure. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So kind of like we need to use different criteria to help us understand and matter is this sex more satisfying or not right just like psychologically when we do you know mental health work we try to stay away from good or bad or this emotion is good that emotion is bad no no no. it's not really about that right rethink about what sex is what you want to get out of it and i also know different couples not only divided by age but different couples in their like different life stage they have sex in totally different ways, right? Yes. Young people have sex in this like passionate, a lot of intercourse, this kind of way. But many other couples do not do that, but they still count their sex as very satisfying, very enjoyable and high quality sex. Exactly. And as people get older, they indicate that it's that connection that they feel with their partner during sex, that is the rewarding part of sex for them. Whereas Mm -hmm. when they're younger, a lot of it is just kind of that energetic rush of the orgasm. But as you get older, it's really, it's how you feel about your partner and how close you feel to your partner. Mm -hmm. So I've got a good image for you, an Mm -hmm. analogy I like to use with my clients. And I tell them to think about sex as like a buffet, right? So... If you, if you want chicken one day, well, you might go get a little chicken from the buffet, but then you might say, you know, I really feel like I want that vegetable or I want some salad or I want the sushi or I want the steak or, or I just want dessert. So if you think about all the different things you can do sexually, that's like your sex buffet. So they're all sex. It's just different ways of being sexual. And some days you're hungry for one thing and other days you're hungry for something else. And some days you're hungry for more than one thing. That totally makes sense. Uh Yeah. So you're not going to the buffet and eating the same thing every time. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the intercourse model, you're pretty much eating the same thing every time. And that's kind of boring. 
over yeah. time, doing the same thing, it just gets boring. It's like, even if you love vanilla ice cream, if that's all you ever had, you'd get sick of it. Of right? course. I cannot imagine eating that. that every single day. Wow. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Wow. You know, that's the funny thing. When we think about eating, it's, it's so flexible, so makes sense. We can choose different foods, different restaurants, what we are in the mood for, and we can even communicate about food with our partners. But when it's about sex, we don't do the same thing, right? Right. Right. Yeah. We but shut you know, down. Similarly. Right. You, you can communicate what you want. What do you want to eat? What kind of things you want to try today? What are you are in the mood for? Yeah. Well, don't you think, especially as a woman in society, you weren't taught that it was okay to want to be sexual. Mm. Right. It was right. be a good girl. That was kind of the messaging that we got. So I think many women, they, they don't even know how to express their own desires, right? Mm -hmm. And they've been socialized really not to. It's you're dirty if you want to have sex and you're called worse names than that growing up, right? right. But, but if our parents never talk about sex and it's this taboo subject growing up, then how do you suddenly know how to talk about sex with your partner when you get married, or when you, you know, start living together, you, you don't know how to do that. Yeah, never learn, never practiced, right? Just right. come on, naturally just gonna know. I, I heard the, the funniest thing from many people is, well, they never learn about anything about sex. They always think, oh, how you have baby. Once you get married, you just naturally know. How to <laughs> You're just gonna figure out. <laughs> right, right. And yeah. And so how do people even learn how to have sex, right? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, a, a lot of people learn from watching pornography. Mm -hmm. And they think that's what sex is supposed to be. And that is not what sex is. Right. It, you know, it's a and show. it's a type of art. Yes. And it gives people a lot of false beliefs about what sex is supposed to look like mm -hmm. and about what people's bodies are supposed to look like. The average pornography male star, their penis is like at least three inches longer than the average male penis hard. Oh, wow. Yeah. The average male penis when it's erect is 5.1 to 5.6 inches. Mm. And most people think it's a lot longer, a lot <laughs> bigger, but it's not. People have a lot of myths about sex. People even think normal men can last much longer, but the yes. recent evidence I saw from the big data, it's 5.4 minutes, actually. Exactly. Exactly. But many women take 20 to 40 minutes of direct touching to their clitoral area to reach orgasm. So there's really a difference between men and women, and it's that big gap that can cause problems. Yeah. So... That actually totally explains when you see when women don't know about their body, don't know what they want, they cannot guide their partner. But for men, I think the society teach men to be a man, right? You have to man up. But what that <laughs> means is like many of them just also like spore in the dark, try to be a strong man, try to last longer, stay harder. And they think that's what sex is supposed to be. That's how to please their partners. Exactly. And, you know, sometimes if a man is trying to last longer and they're trying to hold back and last longer, they can actually lose their erection because they take their mind off what they're doing. Mm. And when you're not present, noticing like all the sexual cues and all the good feelings of sex, it's easy. You, then you, you lose your arousal. Mm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So it's totally the opposite than what you yeah. train so hard to do. Right. Yeah. So yeah. similar to, you know, I treat sleep disorder. So similar to sleep, the harder you try to control it, the harder it may happen the way you want it to. Right. Ah, yeah. I need to listen to you about that because, man, oh, man, sleep is one tough cookie. <laughs> and actually, sleep disorders is related to erectile dysfunction. When you mentioned all these medical reasons, lifestyle reasons, I remember one thing in sleep is if you have 
obstructive sleep apnea,、mm-hmm. right? You kind of temporarily stop breathing in the middle of night for men, especially. That、mm-hmm. is related to heart disease. It's related to ED. So it's it's highly related. Yeah, and I would think too that you know if you're not getting good quality sleep and you're really tired, you are not going to be in the mood to have sex. You're going to have trouble with arousal, and then you're going to have trouble getting an erection. And so you might think you have ED, but it's really you're so tired you can't even get aroused. And it's interesting because so many people try to have sex at the end of the day,、mm. and We're the most tired at the end of the day, and fatigue is a huge arousal killer for most people, men and women. Yeah, and I think I did some small surveys among my own audience, mostly are Asians. Ask them what's the top number one reason, right? They said no to sex <laughs> to their partners. I'm tired. I'm sleepy. Actually, is the number one for most people. <laughs> I, I'm not surprised. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So sometimes planning sex is really a smart thing to do, and you can plan it for a time of the day when you are going to be more in the mood and you're more rested. Some people respond and say, "Ah,、oh, sex should always be spontaneous. We shouldn't plan sex." And I say back, "Well, when you go to a restaurant, is that food good?" Do you have a good meal? And they always say, "Well, yeah, it's I'm eating out. I'm at a restaurant. Of course, it's good." And I say, "Well, did you plan that, or did you just spontaneously go to a restaurant?" And oftentimes, you know, we're planning it. We're making a reservation, and there's no difference. It's、mm-hmm. so sex can be wonderful when it's planned, and many people have to plan sex. You know, if they're taking Viagra or Cialis or a, one of those PDE five inhibitors. They have to plan sex. A lot of people have to plan sex because they have small children, you know, and they have to work around their children's schedules and make sure that there's going to be no interruptions.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Planned sex can be awesome too. Yes,、mm-hmm. yes, and part of planning for sex, I always try to tell my clients, is transitioning from being non-sexual. To being sexual, okay. So we don't just say like one minute we're not interested in having sex, and the next minute, oh well, we plan sex. Let's go have sex. No, you you have to do things to transition yourself. And a lot of times, those things are up here because your brain is your biggest sex organ. Okay, so it might be things like. I'm going to think about my partner. I'm going to think about their touch. I'm going to take a shower. I'm going to put on something that makes me feel attractive. This is from a woman perspective. You know, I'm going to put on some music, light a candle. You're doing things that tell your brain we're transitioning from being non-sexual into being sexual. And when people do this, they find more sex. Or more success in building their arousal, because many women don't have what we call spontaneous desire. They're not just sitting there and out of the blue they feel sexual. Whereas for many men, that's what they feel. Now, women may have had that when they were younger. So when they're older, they suddenly think that they don't have desire. Well, it's that their desire has shifted. It's shifted from this spontaneous desire into what we call. Responsive desire, and what that is is once your partner starts touching you, you then start to respond with desire. You then start to want to have sex, right? So transitioning to sex is a way to start building your desire, so you're you're riper, you're ready for that that responsive desire. Wow, this reminds me of a technique we use in sleep ward. To build a buffer time before bedtime to transit into sleep, right? And because you need to、uh, get yourself feel sleepy to con- basically connect your brain with、yes. your body signals. Yes, that sounds so similar. You need leave. You need to carve out some space and time 
to allow yourself slowly build up this sexual being inside of yourself. Yes. I love the connections you're making, okay, with sleep and what you do to help somebody to have better sleep. And I bet here's another connection. I imagine to help people have better sleep, you're teaching them some mindfulness skills Mm -hmm. so they're able to stay present and shut down, you know, everything going on in their brains. Well, we do the same thing Mm -hmm. in sex therapy and especially for erectile dysfunction because that performance worry that I talked about or performance anxiety, what happens is once you have one incidence of ED, then you start this vicious cycle of every time you're going to be sexual, you're worried you're going to have ED again. Mm -hmm. And what you do is you start to worry and think so much about your erection and you're focusing your brain on your erection that you're not present in your own body. So you miss, your, your brain is just going 100 miles an hour. So you miss all of the good feelings and sensations you get from sex. We call those sexual cues for arousal. So you're not getting the normal arousal you would that would allow you to get an erection because you're not focusing on how the touch feels from your partner, how they smell, how it feels to touch their body, how your penis is feeling in the moment, all your thoughts of being in love with your partner. Instead, your brain is on this vicious cycle of just worry, worry, worry about your erection. And so what ends up happening is you don't get an erection. So you now have reinforced the ED. So the next time you go to have sex, it's even worse for you. Right. You will start very far before the sex. Yes, far before. And you start to do what we call spectatoring. Mm. So spectatoring is when you're like a spectator. You know, you think about a spectator at a sports function, you know, they're, they're cheering for the team or they're hurling insults. So when men start to spectate themselves during sex, they're not cheering themselves on. They're focusing on all of the negatives of it. Mm. Okay. So they are, they're watching their performance Mm. and they're judging themselves. And so they're getting into this negative, negative thought cycle about it. And then they miss all the good stuff. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. I, I can totally imagine, right? They they are trying to do the movement and get in the mood, interact with the other person. And then they're thinking, oh, what if? Oh, no, last time, right? That happened. Right. What if this happened? This time it can happen again. What should I do? And if it's really they, they have performance issues right there, they're like, oh, no. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So just like you do with sleep, we use mindfulness to get people in that moment to, you know, you're not going to stop the thoughts from happening, but we teach them not to get stuck on that thought, Mm -hmm. to let the thought go and focus on how their body feels. Just bring all their attention back to the present, focusing on how good it feels to be in a sexual encounter with their partner And when they do that, when they're able to successfully do that, they find much more success getting their erection back. Mm -hmm. Wow. And not only get the erection back, I think I can imagine if people are able to be more at the present moment with their partner, they possibly find sex more enjoyable. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Being present just makes it so much better. Yeah. Yeah. So important. Wow. There's so many different things about ED, right? We are thinking, oh, this is just a symptom. But when we really dig deep, we find out, well, first, there are different reasons. Second, there are a lot of mistakes, how we cope with it. Mm -hmm. And then we actually, we think we are trying to help, but we may make things worse. Wow. Yeah, it's very nuanced. And so it's unfortunate when couples or individuals with ED don't get help for it and they just avoid the problem thinking it will go away. And because it's so nuanced, they really just continue it and they don't understand all of the different factors that contribute to the ED. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And 
I know. So talk about the help, right? So can you please walk us through very briefly, like when people have ED, when should they consider, say, a doctor, like physician, or when do they like need to see a sex therapist like you? And I also know you have a course about this. Can you share with us what, what are the resources available? What are the steps to seek help? Sure, sure. You know, I think in general, when someone has erectile dysfunction, it's really important for them to share that with their doctor, just in case there's a medical cause that they're not aware of, because mm. we wouldn't want to treat it psychologically and find out there's a medical cause. You know, that's, that's not going to be helpful to the person. So I always suggest they chat with their doctor about it and see if they need to do anything, run any tests. Sometimes if they have low testosterone, that can also be a contributor to erectile dysfunction. I didn't mention that earlier, but yeah, it's helpful to find out, right? Mm -hmm. And then even if there is a medical reason, you want to understand how as a couple you can work together to make sure that you are tackling this as a couple's problem so that there's not the level of shame. When you don't talk about something, the shame grows. Okay. So if you don't feel alone in it, if you feel like your partner's with you every step of the day, at the step of the way, then you can talk about sex. You can start talking about, okay, how do we redefine sex in our relationship? How can we, what else can we do besides intercourse that would be enjoyable to both of us? Both people in the relationship need to understand what turns them on and what turns them off and communicate that with one another and set up a context for successful sex. So you want to set up the environment. You want to set everything up so that a sexual encounter is going to be successful. So I try to walk couples through that process. And then I try to help them with what they need to do to plan a successful sexual encounter together. Okay. And then, you know, we explore the myths to make sure that they're not they have these incorrect ideas about sex and belief systems about their body and how they're supposed to be able to perform. And then we really hit the anxiety piece because, you know, almost every person has anxiety when they have erectile dysfunction. And so I try to help them to learn how to take down that baseline anxiety, start using mindfulness skills and, and to figure out what to do in the moment if they have erectile dysfunction, so they don't completely fall apart, right? So it doesn't crush them, mm -hmm. you know, and they don't give up at that point or get upset or get angry, have some kind of emotional response that's not going to be helpful. And a lot of couples find they're able to develop this kind of flexible lovemaking where they might start thinking they're going to do the one thing, right? Like we're going to go have chicken on the buffet, meaning intercourse, right? But then they, it's not working. So they say, well, let's do this instead. And it ends up still being a really positive experience for them. So the course that I have that you referenced, Take Charge of Your ED, it teaches individuals and couples how to manage ED and how to take charge of it so that they are actually in charge of the ED, not the ED in charge of them. And I've taken a number of people through the course and they have found a lot of success with their erections have come back. You know, it's, I can't guarantee that, right? But for many people who anxiety is a big cause for them, when they start to really learn about ED and understand they're not failures, they're not less of a man, it's something that happens. So if you know it's a normal thing that happens periodically, then it won't bring you down, okay? It won't make you freak out about having ED. You'll just be able to let it go and maybe brush it off. And then you'll be able to move on and do something else that's really good. And a lot of people find the erection will come back. If, mm -hmm. you, if you stay in there long enough, the, enough stimulation for long enough at the right places, your erection should come back. Mm, so there's a lot of hope. A lot and, of hope, a lot of yeah. hope. 
Yeah, with good resource, the right help, and also the effort from yourself, along with your partner together, right? So, do you yeah. recommend couples taking your course together, or just yes, you can person? you can take it as an individual or as a couple. Okay. And I really recommend the couples do it together. There's a lot of interactive exercises in the course. So they would watch videos and then there's interactive exercises where they each would fill out some exercises and then they talk with one another about it. So it, it forces them to go through what I would do in sex therapy with them. I mean, it's the equivalent of about 10 to 12 sex therapy sessions. Okay. So I try to take them through a process of exploring what sex means to each of them. What feels good? What doesn't feel good? What maybe do you want to try that you haven't tried? Okay. What are some, some ways you could expand your sexual repertoire in the future? And then I take them through a very there's a really robust exercise at the end of the course that helps them with how to manage ED in the future. So if they are making love and they have ED, what do they do? Right. And they, and they talk about it. So they both know together how they're going to handle it. So they say the right things and do the right things. Wow. This does not have to be a thing that ruins your life. And I got interested in this quite frankly, because my partner and I started having ED. Mm. And at first it was pretty overwhelming. And I knew what to do because I was a sex therapist. And I thought, here I am a sex therapist and I know what to do. And it's hard. So it just gave me this special place in my heart, this special passion to want to help people going through this because we ended up working through it and we are not always able to have penetration because he's not able to be hard enough for penetration all the time. But, oh my gosh, we do so many other wonderful things. We are trying foods on the buffet we never had tried before in our lives. And it actually enriched our sex life together. It, and it drew us closer in the process because we became so much more open talking about sex. And honestly, that then carried over to everything else in our relationship to where we found we were able to have even more vulnerable conversations. Because talking about sex, I think that's about the most vulnerable you can be. Wow. Right? And if you can do it with sex, then wow, it carries over to make your relationship so much better. Mm-hmm. But I've walked the walk. So I, I understand it and I know how painful it is and just how demoralizing having ED is. But if you avoid it, the one thing I do know for sure, if you avoid ED, it's not going away. Okay. And you can put your head in the sand and hide from it. And all you end up doing is hurting yourself and hurting your partner in the process. So, I mean, what do you have to lose? Try to work on it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, so great to hear from you as a profession, right? And a professional sex therapist, plus your personal experience. I think this is very convincing and hopeful to a lot of people to hear. And also, you know, a lot of time for a couple, they may see ED as a crisis in their mm-hmm. relationship because they don't know what to expect, whether it's going to get better how this what it's going to do to their relationship but you and your partner really use all this knowledge to turn this crisis into an opportunity and really transform your relationship that's amazing yeah so it it, it's interesting because it transformed our relationship but it transformed our sex life too in the process so sometimes Oftentimes, people will go through this process of ED, and if they do the work to work through it, they will find they have a much richer sex life after it because they now have opened themselves up to doing other things, and they've learned so much about themselves and their partner in the process, and they're able to talk freely about sex. It's not this awkward, uncomfortable, shameful conversation to have. Yeah. Wow. It's all about open up and change your own mindset and communicate. Talk yes. about it. Yeah. Mm. 
Wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. England. And oh, yeah. for, for whoever are watching or listening, if you watch, you can see Dr. England's discourse on our screen. If you are listening, you can go to her website at lovefieldlife.com to find this course and more of her work. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all this with us. Is there any platform you're on that, you know, if our audience want to connect with you or know more of your work that they can find you? Well, thank you. Great question. I am just starting to build a social media presence and start posting more things on social media. So I am now on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Oh, my kids convinced me to start a TikTok channel. So I just started doing TikTok. So I'm just starting to film little videos to go on things. Totally out of my comfort zone. <laughs> yeah, I saw, I, I watched some of your short videos. They are great. And you look great on those. Oh, thank you. You're very kind. I'm really lucky because there's some model homes nearby where I live. So I just go sneak in there and I, I film a few videos. <laughs> so. Well, it's, it's a clean and very well-decorated background. I, I say that, yes. <laughs> and uh, most importantly, this content is very legit, oh, evidence-based, yeah. and very helpful. Thank you. Yeah. I believe very much in learning as much as I can. You're the same way. You know, mm -hmm. I, I just think we're lifelong learners, and we want to be competent and put the best information out there to people. Because most people don't know a lot of these things. And we kind of take some of this for granted because we work with it day in and day out. I know. I I feel bad when some of my clients coming to me, right? They, for example, they may have ED issues due to medical reasons. They could not find any resources. They don't know where to find those resources because people mm -hmm. around them don't talk about that. Oh, exactly. And I know you want to wrap up, but I just want to talk to that point for a minute. Mm -hmm. It is actually scary, the misinformation that is out there on the internet, because when people have ED, they don't go to their doctor right away. They start Googling away, right? Mm -hmm. Looking to find it on the internet and they will find solutions that are not, they're not really good solutions. And, and, and so then they'll try all these things and they don't work and they give up, right? Or they think they failed. Oh, I failed again, you know, yeah. and they give up. And it, it's a shame. There's a lot of people trying to make money off of things that just, oh. yeah. Yeah, I have to follow up on that point too. This is so important because in the sleep field, the same way, I totally understand that people nowadays, you know, want to go online, find answers first. But, you know, if they try something, it does not work. Like you mentioned, it's discouragement. But what I'm worried most is if they try something, it's actually harmful. Yes. Right? That's going to be yes. even worse. People actually going to hurt themselves because those influencers online, they are not professionals. And right. recently in the sleep world, we have a paper, we have a research got published just to, to talk about the online sleep videos how oh. legit they are. What they find is amazing. Basically, if you're not a sleep expert, even if you're a medical doctor, their videos contain a lot of misinformation, yeah. a lot of bias, or even wrong information, especially while being coach mm -hmm. who are not well trained in a certain niche area, right? Their information are very much wrong. It's so yes. scary. It, it is. And anyone can call themselves a coach and you don't know what education they've had or what knowledge base they have. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah so mm -hmm. we are here, you know, I really feel like professionals like us who are well-trained in certain areas should really stand out to talk more, to share this more evidence-based legit information to the public. Hopefully more and more of us are doing this. And uh, I know some audience out there appreciate this kind of information from a professional who knows what they are doing. 
Yes. Yeah. You know, and the reason I started with the ED course was because I'd lived it in my life, but I also noticed, and I'm sure you noticed this in your practice, a lot of people, they don't want to do therapy for their ED. They don't want to come and get help. So mm -hmm. I thought, well, if they're out there searching the internet, let me put some good information out there that will help them. And I've got a lot of free resources on my website that they can read through and apply right on the homepage. It tells you where, you know, I, I have a whole manual on how to help yourself with ED, you know, a whole a giant, it's a giant blog post that's really got lots of great content in it. And I, I just wanted people to have access to that information so they wouldn't be doing all the wrong things. Unfortunately, as you know, it's there's so much information out there, it's really hard to rank higher on Google. So I, you know, for people to even find the content, it's difficult. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate you having me on the show so I could share that. I, so and you. I appreciate to have you to, you know, share all this wonderful information with our audience. And I put your website link to the screen for whoever watching on YouTube. And I really want to tell whoever watching or listening, right? So if you need to find help, find a legit help, really go with those certified licensed providers in specific areas and you will be taken care of. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Dr. England, for coming to the show. It's such a nice conversation. And hopefully I will have you back in the future to talk, to cover other topics. Oh, thank you. I would love to. I just am so impressed with the diversity of knowledge you have, because you know, you know, across a broad range of things. So no, I'm always happy to talk about sex with people because I just don't think we talk about it enough. So thank you so much for this opportunity. Yeah, thank you. So, like, sex is really a science. Sleep is a science. Sex is also a science. Yes. So hopefully we all can reduce our stigma and talk about that more. Exactly. Great. <laughs> thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. And today, this is our the end of our live broadcast. If you have any questions, feel free to, you know, leave a comment and send us a message. I will pass the message to Dr. England. Thank you for listening. I also put the coupon code and her ED course down below in the description box. If you experience ED, don't worry, don't panic. Remember, the help is out there. There are evidence-based treatment for it. You can find more of our video clips on our new YouTube channel at Mind Body Garden Psychology. If you like our channel, please consider subscribe and like. I'm Dr. Yishan. Thank you for listening. I will see you next time. Bye. Sleep is an individual thing. We all sleep differently, and there is so much we can do to improve sleep quality. Keep hope and carry on. This podcast is for general informational purpose only and does not include the practice of medicine or other health professional services. Usage of the information we share is at the listener's own risk. And our content does not intend to be a substitute for any medical and professional services, diagnoses, and treatment. Please seek professional health services as needed.